I'll be there in just a moment. John chapter 14. There is a connection for today that I'd like to make. I've been around a little bit, and all my life I have heard that there is no greater power on this earth than a praying grandmother, that she gets things done when nobody else can. And today we're going to talk about praying and mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers. We've got a few of them now. And the work of the Holy Spirit in dealing with our prayers. And I hope to finish out the, the talk with what James, the brother of Jesus, said about praying grandmothers and mothers. We've learned as Christians that we have constant access to heaven as we've been taught to be like Jesus, we've seen that he constantly was going alone to a deserted place in almost every page in our scriptures we see in the life of Jesus that he was always sneaking off to where there wasn't anybody for him to pray. Now obedience was something we've been talking about that he was outstanding with. God gave him the authority over all heaven and earth because he was 100% obedient. Now, the one thing about obedience is that if you are obedient, you've got to have something to be obedient to. In Jesus' case, he was obedient to his Father, Jehovah God. In our case, it's that we are obedient to Jesus Christ. That obedience that we have to Jesus also requires a great deal of prayer, just like his obedience to his Father required. I don't know how many times you get a chance to sneak off where there's not anybody but I've heard of prayer closets and quiet places, private places all my life, where people regular and anytime, of course we can pray anytime with our eyes open driving down the road. We can communicate with heaven. And I'd like to show you today how God made that in such a way as to where we could. Now, one word about obedience, and I've just come across this, this quote, but a fellow in World War II by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor, a pastor, by the way, who was killed in Hitler's ovens in Germany. 
said that the will of God is not a system of rules established from the outset. It must be found new each day as we walk in God's presence. Now that's something that took me a while to learn because I wasn't taught that. There was a time when three-fourths of my library was with books about how to do God's will and how to be obedient to him. And when I finally learned, I gave them all away because I found that God is about seeing that I'm obedient every day. And he's taken steps to do that, and he's constantly meddling in my business. And he's meddling in yours too. And that's something that we'll see as we get a little further. But one-way communication, this idea that we pray to heaven and don't get answers, a one-way conversation, if you will, doesn't help us much. And if our only direction for our lives come from the Bible as some people teach, and I have been taught that, we'd have to carry a Bible with us around everywhere we went, and we'd have to know where everything is in, in it to find it when we needed it. And that's just not the system that God created. And I hope, if you've been listening to the sermons in the last several weeks, that you've found out that this is not the case. God wouldn't create a system like this because, quite frankly, we've got to remember we're dust, okay? God took the most common thing in the whole world, dust, and took a handful of it and made each one of us. And he remembers that's what we are. We like to think of ourselves sometimes as being pretty smart. But I have learned that as much as you might think it's me telling you these things that you need to do that would please God, I never thought of a one of them, and I didn't write one page in this book. God has to tell me every single word to say and how to say it, or I'll mess it up every time. But we saw in Philippians where that God, if we don't know something, God will teach us something about what we don't know before we need it. So we're constantly in a situation just like Jesus was. The scripture says that he learned by the things that he suffered. So we learn by the things that we suffer. And as I've said before, it's a bad trouble that we have to go through without learning a lesson out of it and then have to go through it again and again and again. If we pray with faith, like he tells us, if you abide in me, Jesus said in the 16th chapter of John, and my word abides in you, you can ask what you want to and I'll give it to you. That's what he said. Now that's about prayer. But there are several stipulations to that. You've got to be asking for what Jesus and God wants too, or it won't work. If they don't want you to have a Cadillac, you can pray for one the rest of your life, and you won't be driving one. 
That's just the way it is, and I had to learn that early on as a child. I couldn't pray. I found this verse, but I couldn't pray for anything I wanted to and get it. It just didn't work that way. But let's look at what Jesus says in instructing us from the 14th chapter of John and verse 7. Now these are the words of Jesus. And he said, If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And we'll see that what he's saying here is, I am exactly like my Father, and when you've seen me, you've seen him. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll suffice us, it'll satisfy us if you'll show us God the Father. And Jesus had already told him he's the only one that had seen him. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast not known you, you has not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? You've seen me, and I've told you that I am 100% just like Jehovah God. In verse 10 he says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. What he's saying there is I do not preach to you and teach to you out of my own authority. I'm not coming up with this stuff I'm showing you. God is the one that do it. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. Now, who is the Father that dwelleth in Jesus? That's the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say that God took a part of him when we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and became a Christian, God took a part of him and placed it inside of us. I didn't think about it till this morning. It's kind of like a youngin getting a cell phone, I guess. All of a sudden, he, they've got the ability to communicate. Well, when we get to be a Christian, God essentially gives us a spiritual cell phone. And you can talk to anybody in God's heaven with a spiritual cell phone as long as you've got service. <laughs> now what does the Bible say? God will turn his face away from us and won't answer our phone if we're sinning, if we're doing something we know we're not supposed to. So if we keep ourselves like God wants us to keep ourselves, all we have to do is start talking to God and we get through. Not only that, just like the cell phone you carry in the hip pocket maybe, or in your purse, 
Other people can talk to you also. And God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can talk to you through that same device, that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that communicates with us the wishes of Jesus and God. And it's a part of God himself. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the, in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Now here's the thing, mamas, you think about this. If your child has a cell phone and you've got a cell phone, you're in constant contact with them. If they get in a jam, they can call you. Now a child is not going to have the experience that a grown-up is going to have, so it would give a mother some security to know that if her child got in a jam, they could give them a call. That's the way it works with our Heavenly Father also. When we get to a place where we don't know what to do, we call Him. And He answers us. But we'll see there's a way that He does that. So as we ask for what Jesus approves of, then we get it. We get it to do His will, to do His good works, so He's glorified by what we do. That's the way He planned it to where it works. I'm afraid that we don't always do things that glorify our God in heaven. I, I believe that. But this is how it works. Look at verse 15. Oh, he says in verse 14, if ye ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If we need anything to do what God wants us to do, all we've got to do is ask him, and he'll equip us for it. And verse 15 says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. He sticks that right in the middle of this so we'll be obedient to him in our relationship with him. And Jesus said, I will pray that the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Now this word, another comforter, Jesus is talking to them face to face in this day and he said, I have been your comforter, but I'm fixing to have to leave. I'm fixing to go to cross and be killed and will wind up in heaven sitting in a throne on the right hand of God. I won't be down here walking with you guys every day. But look at what he says about it. And I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's talking about that Holy Spirit he places in us. So Jesus can communicate with us every day, every moment because of the Holy Spirit that's inside of us through that Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth. So he's indicating there that whatever that Holy Spirit tells us is true. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Now there's an interesting thing that's you will notice encapsulized in this verse. 
we're walking around as Christians every day with the Holy Spirit in us that dictates to us how we're supposed to live. Now, we've got the choice of turning the Holy Spirit's advice down. But we've also got the choice of choosing to do what God, through that inner voice that speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, advises us to do. But the Holy Spirit is a spirit. It doesn't have a body. People can't see it. They don't know, the world does not know that you have a Holy Spirit in you that's telling you what to do, what to think, and what to say. They think it's coming straight out of you and out of your mind. world cannot receive it because it doesn't see it, doesn't realize it. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, he said, because he's living inside of you. You ought to know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. We're getting a lot of information here about that Holy Spirit that comes inside of us once we're born again. And I'll not leave you comfortless, he says in verse 18. I will come to you. When you ask, when you utter something to Jesus in your voice down here, he hears it. And if he knows the answer, he gives the answer back to the Holy Spirit. If he doesn't know the answer, and in cases he doesn't, because some things when he was down here, you know, they, the disciples asked him, well, when will you come again? And he said, I don't know that. Nobody knows that but my Father. So there are some things that Jesus wasn't told when he came here that only Father God knows. And if you ask him a question and he's got a plan for you and got a purpose for you, he wants you to make a decision that will be in accordance with that plan and purpose that he has for you. So the only way you can get a good answer is for God to answer you because he's the only one that knows the plan. It's pretty common sense if you get right down to it. I'll not leave you comfortless, I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. I'm not going to be down here long, he said. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Do you see what he's saying there? I said last week, the obedient people don't die. You never die. You don't even lose conscience when your heart stops beating. If you're walking down here and you have a heart attack, and start falling over, you just continue walking right in heaven just like you were walking here. There is no place you go. There is no temporary place to be out of this body. My Bible says I am face to face with Jesus. So the second that I cease to exist here in this body, before this body hits the ground if I'm upright, I'm looking Jesus in the face. That's pretty cool, people. 
That's a neat thing to know that your mind never even loses consciousness. Because I live, ye live also. Now here's the thing. He's gone to heaven. He's sitting in the throne on the right hand of God, it says, interceding for us. He's watching everything we do and talking to God, his Father, about what's best for us. The Holy Spirit also tells him what is best for us. And when we ask, we don't always know how to ask, it says. So the Holy Spirit has to interject on that too. And the Holy Spirit, we'll see, guides us in ways that pleases God. Because I still live, Jesus said, you live also. We never die. We never quit living. And we have communication with him through that Holy Spirit. At that day, now what is he talking about? What day? At the day you get the Holy Spirit. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I in you. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. At the day you get the Holy Spirit, now probably not the first day, because I know when I first got my Holy Spirit at 10 years old, I didn't immediately know everything. I had to learn a lot of this stuff, and I gradually learned it as I grew. But he says you should know that Jesus says that I'm in you, and you're in me, and we're both in the Father. We're both connected. We've got that connection. Now like I said, the world, the people down here who don't know Jesus can't know about the Holy Spirit. They can't feel it inside of them because it's never been in them. They don't know how it works unless they read about it and they would happen to believe it. And my Bible tells me that if they read it and they're not Christians, they're not going to believe it anyhow. So they've got no clue why you're acting the way you're acting. Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why do you take time out from your day and help some, some person over here who needs help? Why would you do that? They assume it's you that's, that's the good person here. While we know that the Holy Spirit that lives in us is the one that's telling us to do those things, it's because God is telling the Holy Spirit, you see to it that they do it. We're tied together, folks. You and Jesus and God are all tied together. And we can communicate with each other. Now, if you will, please, one more scripture. Now, don't make me lie. We've got two more scriptures. But one more is in Romans chapter 
chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Eight twenty-six. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now that word infirmities means the evil things are still in us. We'll probably never get cleaned out of all the evil that we came into this world with. God is taking one thing at a time and cleaning us up in this process of sanctification that we talked about last week. We're getting cleaned up. Also helps with our infirmities. Evil, sinful weaknesses that we have. And we all have them. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. He says here that we don't even know exactly how to pray. But the Spirit itself make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit inside of me is talking to my Jesus on the throne room of heaven. My Jesus is talking to my God and together they get a plan for me and then they tell the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells me because I don't know exactly how to ask for that. I don't even, when, when we're dealing with an unknown subject, like I am with spiritual things, that's the reason I pray that God will forgive me and fill me with his spirit so I can understand the things about heaven and what God does. Because in the natural flesh, we can't do it. We're not smart enough, people. with groanings which cannot be uttered. They're speaking to each other in a language that we'll never know. We can't talk to them with their language, but they're communicating with a language that we'll never know. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now do you understand this advice we're getting from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that is coming from Jesus and God is all for God's purposes, not for ours. It's not to make me a millionaire. It's to make me like Jesus. It's to make me think and act. Let this mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ. It's to make me think and act like Jesus Christ did. And verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. So when I pray and ask God, what should I do in this matter? God's going to give me an answer that suits Him. <laughs> Doesn't always suit me, but it suits Him. And that's the way He directs us. He intercedes for us with Jesus automatically, even when we don't even know how to pray. 
Sometimes we know how to ask, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we get so involved in our problems, we don't even think to stop and ask. So we don't ask at all. But even when we do that, our Holy Spirit is working with us to create a successful choice in our life about the way we live. And Jesus informs us what God's will is for our life automatically. That's the reason I got rid of my book. I don't have to go study it. God will show me automatically. I see that now. But you see, that which is giving us direction for our life always suits God's purposes, not always ours. Because of our weaknesses, we don't think right. We want stuff we ain't got a business, any business in the world and have it. And we saw last week, the devil's work is trying to get our mind off of relationships with God and on things. New car, new house, new clothes. All those things that will make us look real smart. And that's what we're into. But I'd like to show you something back in James chapter 5. You can turn there or no. James chapter 5. That's the brother of Jesus now telling us a little hint that can help us along the way. Chapter 5 and verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Don't try to hide your sins from each other. Tell each other what's going on. They probably, your friends probably know your problems anyhow already. Because they've been friends with you, they've been around you, they've lived with you, they know. And pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now let me say what that is. But wait a minute. I don't know how righteous I am. That thing says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It gets a lot done. Well, I'm here to tell you that my Bible tells me that when I believed in Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross for my sins, he automatically made me a righteous man. Even though I still sin, he made me a righteous man. That's the kind of man he's talking about. He's not talking about a man that does 100% good. He's talking about a man who belongs to Jesus Christ. Elias, Isaiah, in other words, was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had the same nature that we have. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it didn't rain on the earth for three and a half years. Three and a half years. I, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. God stopped rain on the whole earth because one good man prayed about it. That's how powerful it can be if God agrees with everything you ask. Brethren, if any one of you do err from the truth, you make a mistake, you make a bad decision, you're not doing what you need to do, what God wants you to do. And one converts him. 
so you wander away from God's will for your life. And somebody turns him back around with his prayers. You pray for, like I said a while ago, grandmothers and great-grandmothers and mothers pray for their family. You can turn people around with your prayers. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, keep him out of hell, and shall make a shall hide a multitude of sins. Let me tell you what that says. If you're a Christian and you pray for somebody who's not doing what they ought to do, if your prayers can turn that person around you will have saved him from going to hell or her or child. We know our family doesn't always make decisions like we think they ought to. But if you pray and turn them around, you'll save them from making a mistake that might carry them to hell. And it will in you hide a bunch of your sins. God will overlook your sins because you've been praying to straighten somebody else out. That is two promises that the brother of Jesus, in the last verse in his book that he wrote, wanted to make sure we understood. So here's the thing. We have got complete supervision. God sees everything we do. He knows what we're doing. He asks us. He commands us to ask him what to do. So few preachers today preach that the Holy Spirit of God in us is there for us to get guidance from in every single thing we do. And for us to try to use this up here, when we've got all the power in the whole earth in the Holy Spirit living inside of us, because it did every miracle that Jesus did was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have got the same power in you that Jesus had in him. You can do, if God wants you to do, the same things that he did. That's a tremendous idea. So many of us don't believe it. That we don't know that we have that much power. And so we're shy about using it. But here's one thing. If you're afraid of getting in front of a crowd or singling yourself out, that it might embarrass you, tell you what you can do. You can go somewhere in a quiet place where there's nobody. And you can pray quiet enough to where you can't even hardly hear it. And you can get things done that will turn people's lives around, make them make the right decision, and in the doing of that, God will forgive you a lot of where you might have made mistakes. That's a tremendous idea that God has given us today, and that's the reason I started this thing out with praying grandmothers. There's a story, I won't elongate it, but 
when all the guys are killing, were, 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 were killing the deer and killing cows and burning churches. They burn our church down here, some of us. And an old game warden said when they find out who's burning these churches, it won't be country boys. And all those FBI had all those trailers down there at Centerville Hall with all the investigators and all the labs and everything trying to get evidence on who burned the churches. And when they found out who it was, it was three doctor sons in Mountain Brook. And they said one of the FBI investigators went up to this old game warden and said, you made that statement, how in the world did you know that? And he said, man, there's not a country boy going to bother a church. He knows what his grandma would do to him if he did. <laughs> that same grandma can pray you out of trouble and can pray your children out of trouble. I thank the Lord that my mother was a woman who sat in behind the scenes and prayed for all of us. I don't know what kind of stuff I would have been in if it hadn't have been for my mother praying for us. And I know some of your mothers, and I know that they prayed for you. I've been deacons to some of your mothers, and I know that they prayed for you because they told me they did. This is a fascinating idea right here that will really give honor unto a godly mother or grandmother who prays for her children or her grandchildren or her great-grandchildren or anybody else. God listens to godly grandmothers. Don't think that he doesn't. And godly mothers also. And I thank the Lord for them today. And I ask you please to honor mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers today because of what connection they have had with God that involve you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for mothers for the role that they play with you. The role that David's mother had in his life in the 31st chapter of Proverbs. She led him out of trouble constantly, giving him advice on how to be king. So Lord, we thank you for our mothers. We thank you for this Mother's Day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.